Hello and welcome to the kickoff of the 2022 edition of Your New Mexico Government. I'm Kaveh Movahead. Over the next four weeks, we'll check in with journalists, lawmakers, and other stakeholders about what's going on in our state capitol during this year's legislative session, and we invite you to join us. This is a collaborative effort from KUNM Radio and New Mexico PBS and funded by the Thornburg Foundation with the goal of making government more transparent and accessible to our listeners. We'll cover the big topics from crime and education to environment and oil production as they come up in the legislature so that you are informed and ready for civil participation. And of course, since this year's session is only 30 days long, we'll have to keep an eye on the budget. Crafting one for next year is the primary duty of lawmakers in even numbered years. So please keep up with us over the next month by following hashtag YNMG on social media and by listening to KUNM radio and watching New Mexico PBS. Also find us wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is going to be a little different from what we'll bring you going forward. Since the legislature is just getting down to business, we're going to start with a preview show with highlights from Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham's State of the State speech from last Tuesday, then some clips from journalists and Legislative Finance Committee Director David Abbey from last week's Let's Talk New Mexico on KUNM. You can hear the entirety of both of these online at KUNM.org, and you can read the transcript of the governor's speech that's been annotated by journalists from around the state for context and fact-checking. That's online at KUNM.org and NewMexicoPBS.org. First, some edited clips highlighting the governor's priorities from the State of the State Address. We have right now unimaginable financial resources at our disposal. Let's give every single educator in this state a 7% raise this year minimum. It would put us first in the region for average educator pay and we're going to keep going. Let's cut taxes for every single person in New Mexico. We haven't cut the sales tax in this state in 40 years. New Mexico is only one of a few states that taxes Social Security. I'm calling today for that taxation to end. In the next 12 months, your state government is going to deliver an additional $230 million in rent and utility assistance And if the legislature provides the resources, your state government will do more than just help families stay afloat. Legal cannabis is going to create thousands of jobs and serious tax revenue for local governments. Almost 40,000 more students receiving high quality education for free under my Opportunity Scholarship Program means more skilled workers building 21st century careers. But if we want to keep up our economic momentum, We've got to get crime under control. And we are going to pass a law this session that will keep violent criminals behind bars until justice can be done. So I'm asking the legislature for a 19% increase in the budget of the Department of Public Safety to fund innovative new crime fighting strategies and hundreds of new positions, including a 19% raise for our state police officers. And I am asking for $100 million to support hiring and retention efforts to get 1,000 more officers in place statewide as quickly as we can. We all want safe communities, and we all want healthy communities. I propose a new rural health care delivery fund that will provide bridge financing to communities that have been waiting for assistance to kickstart construction without massive upfront costs. 
And with investments like those I have proposed in my executive budget, we will put tens of millions of dollars into new behavioral health services, expanding access to treatment for substance abuse, suicide interventions, and more. That means endowing our medical school with $10 million. That also means endowing our nursing school. And I propose a dramatic expansion of the state program that directly supports caregivers. What that means is we are going to pay families who are doing the work of taking care of their elderly loved ones. On the same note, it is time that we build a new veterans home, a state-of-the-art independent and assisted living facility and program for those who sacrificed to protect our freedoms. We can do it all. We have the finances. We're going to fund an unprecedented suite of new affordable housing programs at the state level. We're going to expand protections for voters because we believe in democracy and everyone's right to vote. So for the next 30 days, let's be aggressive on behalf of the New Mexicans. We're all here to serve. Those were some highlights from Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham's wish list to legislators in her 2022 State of the State speech. We followed it a couple days later on KUNM with a special legislative preview edition of Let's Talk New Mexico. Here's a taste of that show. My first guest is Dan Boyd. He's the Capitol Bureau Chief for the Albuquerque Journal, and he's spent a lot of time at the Roundhouse and with lawmakers. Thanks for joining us this morning, Dan. Thanks for having me. This is primarily a budget session. Last year, there was uneasiness about revenue, and this year we're rolling in cash. What changed? Well, you know, we've been on on quite the, the revenue roller coaster these last few years. You know, right now the state is record high revenue levels um, in large part because of the oil and gas industry, but also kind of uh, in- increased consumer spending. And then also the state still has large amounts of federal funds, you know, approved by Congress that uh, some has been spent, but a large amount still hasn't been spent. So, you know, it's a situation that's uh, a pretty unprecedented opportunity, but also certainly when you look around the state, a lot of needs and, you know, a lot of different groups kind of clamoring for, for some of that money. Okay, I think this is a great time to introduce our next guest. We have David Abbey, the director of the Legislative Finance Committee. Uh, The LFC acts as a watchdog over state government by evaluating agencies' performance, but they also keep an eye on the state's budget. Thanks for coming back again this year for our legislative session preview. Thank you, Covey. Would you like to add anything to Dan's description of the big boost in the state's coffers? Well, you know, a good reporter really knows the finances in and out, and that's certainly Dan. So so the oil and gas volatility is staggering. You know, I just look now, oil prices are 86. We're probably getting 82 in New Mexico. A third of our general revenues are coming from oil and gas. And it, about a year ago, there was a point where it was negative 30. No one wanted a drop of oil a year ago in the, in the, in the height of the pandemic, and now uh, – one of the highest prices in years. So with so much state revenue dependent on oil and gas, it's. The, I think there's a, well, I said, I've said a few days ago, there's a neat precaution in budget making. There's a great opportunity at the same time. Okay, well, last year uh, we were worried about the economy suffering because, you know, in part people were at home, not shopping, not working, not driving. Now we've seen a big spike in also the gross receipts tax. I'm wondering how significant that portion of revenue is. Well, it's it's significant, and, and the growth is strong, but it's not going to overwhelm oil and gas. Much of what we call the new money, which which is approaching 20%, is driven by oil and gas. The other thing I, I think is worth saying 
You know, a year ago, we wondered when people would come back to work. Well, in the United States, we're virtually at full employment. The latest month, I think it was December, unemployment was 3.9%. In New Mexico, it's 6.1%. Probably we'd like that to come down. But especially in in, uh, the professional uh, occupations that state government uses, it is very hard to find workers to do the, do the work. That's the, the kind of the state of budget making right now. Agencies want to hire a lot of people and are have, having a hard time finding them to do the work. Now, the LFC and the governor are each required to propose budgets, and this year the two are, again, pretty similar. Dan, I'm wondering, can you help us understand some of the differences between those two? Yeah, you mentioned the dollar amounts are pretty similar, and I'm sure David could really get into the details. But, uh, you know, there are some some differences when it comes to policy within the two uh, proposals. You know, uh, one thing, the governor is proposing more for a uh, opportunity scholarship program that her administration has pushed for uh, higher education and college students. Uh, the LFC budget has a little different approach to that and, and using some federal funds to, to bolster the lottery scholarship also, there's some differences when it comes to extended learning for, uh, you know, public schools to try to make up for some of the, the academic loss in, in school days we've seen during the pandemic. So certainly some important things like that. I think looking at some state agencies, some are a little bit higher or lower under one plan than the other. So the $2 amounts might look the same, but once you get into the details, you know, I think that's where some of the debate is going to be as, as we move forward through the, the budget process. Okay, David, I wonder if you have something you'd like to add on there and comparing. Yes, I the think two. that's a, a good summary. One other big difference, the executive budget assumed using a a significant amount of non-recurring revenue, over $100 million for the Medicaid budget. And this kind of relates to to one-time stimulus funding. The LFC is concerned about using non-recurring revenue for such an important part of the budget. By doing that, the executive was able to push up recommendations for many of the agencies higher than LFC. But... The biggest differences in the budget are not the recurring for FY23 that starts July 1st. The big differences are in the non-recurring area, one-time spending from bonds, the federal stimulus funding, we call it ARPA. There's almost a billion that remains that the legislature needs to allocate. And finally, from a vast general fund surplus that would be 40%. And the LFC all fall and heading into the special session, worked on ways to try to spend that. The governor generally didn't have recommendations, so, you know, the legislature's forging ahead trying to do that, and we'll see when the executive weighs in with some sort of recommendations from the non-recurring area. But it exceeds $2 billion of an extraordinary amount of one-time revenue that can be used for a wide range of things. We're probably concerned about using the one-time revenue, the surplus, the bonding for ongoing expenses of government. Now, let's go ahead and bring in our next guest, Andy Lyman. He's a reporter with NM Political Report. He joined us last year to talk about cannabis legalization. This year, we're going to dig into crime legislation. Thanks for coming back on the show, Andy. Hey, good morning, Kaveh. First, can you tell us a little bit about the bills you've seen or expect to see in regards to criminal justice? I think the one that's going to end up getting and already has gotten a lot of attention, actually, uh, Dan's colleague, Elise Kaplan, wrote a really good story about this pretrial release or pretrial detention. Um, And we've seen in the news a lot. uh, Folks have uh, been accused of a crime, uh, been released on on pretrial release with maybe uh, some sort of electronic monitor uh, or probation. And uh, they are then accused of another crime. And so that that's sort of this the term, I guess, is revolving door. What we're going to see is this debate of whether it, we should make it 
easier for prosecutors to uh, argue for pretrial detention. And I think there's a list of things here, first or second degree felony of human trafficking of a child, uh, murder in the first degree. Uh, one interesting one is uh, brandishing a firearm or using a firearm. So these are not things that uh, have been proven yet. These are just things that they're accused of. Okay, protecting people from criminals sounds like a no-brainer, and some of those crimes you just mentioned are horrible. But we had a show a few months ago on solutions for violent crime where we learned that harsh penalties do not necessarily deter crime. And I'm wondering if uh, you get the feeling this is one of those issues where politicians have no choice but to be tough. I think that's a fair argument. Um, going back to what you talked about before, this is this is an election year for many uh, lawmakers and the governor. I think in this case, you're going to see a lot of pushback from public defenders, defense attorneys in general. Some lawmakers actually have history uh, or a past in both of those uh, areas, uh, criminal defense. So it's going to be, I think, a highly debated topic. And I don't think, like Dan said earlier in the show, a slam dunk. I don't think that's the case. It's interesting that the proposals we're hearing are coming from the Democratic side of the aisle. Uh, traditionally, tough on crime bills come from Republicans. What's going on? You know, I think you're, what you brought up earlier is a good point of, you know, sort of having to address crime. I think there's obviously debates on whether this is the right way to do it or not. But there is no doubt that crime, particularly in Albuquerque and in the Albuquerque metro area, is, is an issue. So I think it's something that probably everyone agrees needs to be addressed. My recollection goes back to, I think, 2015, 2016, uh, when Republicans had the House uh, and Governor Susana Martinez, a Republican, was in office. The bills were different. There was three strikes laws and, and trying to bring back the death penalty. But you're exactly right that, generally speaking, this these sort of things come from the Republicans and not Democrats. Okay, thank you. We still have other issues to discuss. Let's go ahead and bring in another guest. We have Sean Griswold, who covers education and other topics for Source New Mexico. Sean, thanks for joining us this morning. Of course. Thanks for having me. Okay, first, what kinds of education legislation are we expecting this year? Education legislation is all looking at an increase in budget for school operation costs, supporting curriculum development, um, and, of course, teacher pay raise, which is something that we um, heard the governor bring up in her state of the state. Right, and I believe I've heard the figure of a a 7% pay raise that would bring the average teacher pay up to right about the national average. Is that right? The 7% pay increase would boost New Mexico to not only at the national average, but be able to compete with neighboring states. And that really leads into this whole conversation about teacher retention and teacher professional development and keeping teachers in New Mexico. You know, we're dealing right now with a, with a significant teacher shortage. You know, there's hundreds of open vacancies at every at, at, across the across the, the state of New Mexico for teachers. And that's ultimately even led to the position right now where the, um, the governor's office is calling for National Guard members to volunteer to fill in as substitutes because teachers dealing with uh, COVID and, uh, and dealing, dealing with the, the, the rising COVID cases aren't able to go to school because of health and health, health and safety reasons. And so the idea of boosting teacher salaries is not only a benefit, is considered a benefit for students and teachers themselves, but it can also lead to this idea that you can actually foster a community where teachers and educators are, are supported and welcomed in a state like New Mexico that needs as many teachers as possible. Okay, I'd like to check in with Dan. You've been covering state politics for a long time, and, you know, it's not a new idea to be thinking about boosting salaries for educators. What's the difference historically between then and now? There has been a, a long-running acknowledgement about uh, teacher pay and retention issues. 
you know, we, we've created this three-tier system for rewarding teachers with more experience. That was done under former Governor Richardson, and, and those have gotten bumped over the, up over the years. I, I think the problem has been sometimes with this revenue volatility that we've talked about, you know, uh, you know, if you're going to increase those levels and increase teacher pay, you better have make sure you have the money in the future to keep paying them because you don't want to have to come back and, and cut teacher pay, especially, you know, as Sean mentioned, dealing with the realities of, of the workforce that a lot of teachers in New Mexico are, are elderly, certainly not all of them, but we've seen a lot of retirements over the last few years. And now dealing with the pandemic and remote learning, I think that's added an extra burden on teachers. And certainly as the, as the father of a couple of young kids, I certainly respect teachers and I think the, the work they do for the pay they get, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot to ask. That is a big topic. It deserves its own show, and we will continue to cover it here at KUNM. But I want to make sure we have time to discuss the issue that is most important to many of us. That's the environment. We have Searchlight New Mexico's environmental reporter, Lindsay Fent, joining us this morning. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks. Now, I say environment is most important to many of us, not just because we love our wildlands, but because it's also the single largest source of the state's income. I'm talking about energy extraction and production. The governor wants New Mexico to become a hydrogen hub, a place to create energy in a new way. Where does hydrogen come from, Lindsay? I know it's all around us, but how do we harness it? There's a couple ways that you can make hydrogen. The most common is uh, to make it using natural gas. And that's kind of the way that New Mexico is looking to focus on producing hydrogen. For natural gas, it goes through something called uh, steam methane reformation. It's a pretty complicated process, but basically it goes into this giant machine and they split. You know, natural gas is is, uh, carbon and then four hydrogen atoms. So they split the four hydrogen atoms. And then most commonly, those carbon atoms are just released into the air. That's called gray hydrogen. Okay, it sounds then like a transition to hydrogen may not be detrimental to the state's natural gas production. Yeah, it would actually probably keep most natural gas production going on. Uh, It's definitely a way, it's a new market for natural gas. So is this why it's been drawing a lot of opposition from environmentalists? Yeah, so there's uh, definitely the idea that it would prolong natural gas production. But also, you know, it's that part I just mentioned where oftentimes they just release that carbon into the air, which is uh, CO2 is a greenhouse gas. Okay, and we can't talk about the environment in New Mexico without talking about water. Is the legislature bringing any water issues up this session? Yeah, so nothing's been pre-filed yet, but I've been talking to um, quite a few legislators about what they're hoping to do. There's a pretty big debate right now about what kind of funding the state engineer's office needs. Their budget was pretty severely cut by Martinez, and it hasn't really recuperated since then. So there's talk about increasing their budget. And then also there's talk about kind of reforming that office entirely. Uh, The state engineer resigned last year, and he hasn't been replaced yet. So there's one bill to change the qualifications of the state engineer's office so he doesn't have to be an engineer. So he can be a hydrologist or or he or she can be a hydrologist or something else. And, you know, all of that is kind of geared towards this debate about how we should be managing water. You know, right now the the state engineer's office is really about getting as much water, putting as much water to use as possible. Um, So there are all these kind of smaller bills that are looking at whether or not that's really the way we should be managing water or whether we should be focusing more on trying to conserve and trying to think about the ways that we do use water. Oh, I hear the theme music coming up in the background. That means we've reached the end of the hour. Thanks to everyone who called or emailed in to share your thoughts, and thanks so much to our guests, Dan Boyd, David Abbey, Sean Griswold, Andy Lyman, and Lindsay Fent. 
Those clips came from the January 20th episode of Let's Talk New Mexico on KUNM Radio. You can hear the entire show by logging onto KUNM.org and clicking Let's Talk New Mexico in the Programs tab. Also, check out that full video of the governor's State of the State speech with an annotated transcript online at KUNM.org and at NewMexicoPBS.org. Thanks for joining us today. You can stick with KUNM and New Mexico PBS through the 2022 legislative session by following us on the air and online, and by following the hashtag YNMG on social media. The Your New Mexico Government Project is supported by the Thornburg Foundation. I'm Kaveh Movahead. Catch us again in just a couple days, and you can reach us at ynmg at kunm.org.